Welcome to Shaping Healthcare, a podcast by Sidious Tech. Some of the great minds in the world are constantly striving to solve the healthcare industry's greatest challenges with technology, creativity, and agility. With every episode of the Shaping Healthcare podcast, we will take you deeper into the world of healthcare and life sciences and give you a perspective into what it takes to build a human-first, technologically-enabled healthcare world. I'm your host, Laurel Rockle. Hello and welcome. Joining me today is Gloria Spiritus, the esteemed senior director at Sidious Tech, boasting a remarkable career that navigates through the domains of healthcare IT, enterprise imaging, and medtech sales. With a robust foundation of both national and global marketing dynamics, Gloria has continually demonstrated her knack for unveiling market potentials to fuel revenue growth, market share, and profitability. At Sidious Tech, she's been pivotal in managing an enterprise health systems portfolio and orchestrating new client acquisitions, further propelling Sidious Tech's mission of fostering digital innovation across the healthcare ecosystem. Gloria, welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it so much. Really looking forward to having you on today. And Gloria, I'm always really intrigued about what leads experts to their specific field. Sometimes it's really linear, it kind of you know makes sense, if you will. And sometimes it's an adventure. People are trying a bunch of different areas and kind of to get them where they are now. So what specifically drew you to healthcare and its technological innovations? Yeah, I mean, I love that question too. I always love to know where someone originated and why they stay in it. Um, so I got into this business in 2003. I joined an organization to sell imaging equipment. The first was a really shallow region. People made really good money to go sell. So I knew that. And then I learned to really love the technology. And I view that as imaging saves lives. And I think about that a lot. Really cool technologies. When you realize a piece of equipment you sold saves someone's life. That is the type of thing that's extremely rewarding. I did imaging. There was, you know, for nine and a half years, moved back home to Texas from California and stayed in the medical selling software and devices and other things that within the healthcare industry. I think really the main reason I've stayed in it is I love the component that it helps people. That to me is the most important fact. And that's the one thing that I think about it's kind of my like my own mission statement professionally is I stay in this crazy business and I said crazy and multitudes, a lot of different things is because it ultimately helps people. I think ultimately everything that they're doing, all the technology, it's all for the betterment of a patient and whether it's mental, physical people going through treatments. And I really learned that when I sold equipment and the importance of that, that really got drilled into my head. Like someone gets radiation oncology treatment five days a week and that machine is down. Think about that poor patient. Or um, my favorite story for my career is selling a CT scanner to the Naval Hospital. And what they were doing is they were bringing Marines in before they were being deployed to Afghanistan. 20-year-old strapping young man 
had a scan, they found an aortic aneurysm and rushed him to, he was a ticking time bomb. And I didn't develop the technology that did that, but I feel really proud I sold that scanner and was part of the journey of it. So those are the things when I'm having a day that I'm like, why am I still doing this? It's because of that. And I never take that away. I know from the technology side, if someone is having a crisis and can get an appointment and it's technology that my company developed, that still matters. And would never take credit for selling that CT. And that's the only reason they discovered it. I think it's very fulfilling. And I think that's the reason I still stay in it after all this time. Absolutely. I guess it's the thinking of the ripples that what your impact has and how that ripples out and how that can help more people and the impact that has not only that person's life, but then life of their friends and their family around them. Because, you know, for that young man, he was able to get help right away and saved his life. Because that is usually not the case. You find out after the fact. And he was asymptomatic. Didn't you know, There was no problems. And like I said, he was a ticking time bomb. And he was given a way to survive. And they caught it in time. And I can't even imagine the discussions they had with him afterwards. I think about that. And I do think about his family, about how wonderful that they caught that. I mean... Going to Afghanistan or Iraq or anything, that's terrifying enough. But to know that technology helped him. So eventually, if he did go or not, or whatever his journey is, I'm just very grateful they were able to identify it. And those are the stories that keep me going. And it's all about technology in one way, shape, or form. And I'm still a geek with imaging technology, even though I don't sell it anymore. But so many dear friends and, you know, just really part of my passion. I love to know more. And that's what keeps me going. Talking about the future of healthcare, but also the future users of healthcare and our youngest generation that seems to be in healthcare right now, and that is Gen Z. They're often considered to be most digitally savvy generation right now. They've been born into a digital age, whereas generations before them can remember a time when we didn't have a phone in hand all the time and computers and all the technology that we're familiar with today. And when it comes to healthcare, how can healthcare providers use technology and that digital platform to tailor healthcare services and information to Gen Z's unique needs and preferences? That's a great question. If I've been doing some research on Gen Z by online, what you read, but also I had a discussion with someone who is Gen Z and I asked him the specific question. And really, it's all about access and access on demand. They want the convenience factor because as they are the only digitally native generation right now, at this point, the thought of picking up a phone call and making a doctor's appointment is completely unappealing to them. So having options like virtual health, online chatbots to get questions answered, the ability to have telehealth and also other virtual care type of components are really key. And what it is, like this one gentleman told me that, I asked him, I go, what do you do when you get sick? I said, do you call and make a doctor's appointment? He said, no, I don't have, even have health insurance. 
what I do is scan a QR code, which I'd never heard of. It has all of his information on it and go to care now. If he needs a vaccination, he goes to CVS or the grocery store. So it's this whole basically hands-off approach to having to do things. They want things on demand, like when medical has an app. So those are the things that need health systems need to do to survive, to capture that very diverse and fully digital native group of people generation. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I know that for myself, having like telemedicine being an option now, I know that's really great. But then, yeah, I suppose most Gen Z people that I know that, yeah, the picking up the phone and making that appointment is like, no, I do not want to do that. And I'm like, oh, I suppose that's very unique. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a completely different mindset that they want things now. They want to have 24-hour access to telehealth, virtual care type of visit. They want to have the tools that they've grown up with, easy to use interfaces. They want the gamification of apps and patient portals and those types of things that they need. It's They don't want to go to a doctor's office and fill out a bunch of paperwork. Can't say I blame them there, but that is what we're doing with. And that's why some of these retail and healthcare provider services like Walmart and Amazon has one medical and uh, CVS and Walgreens. That's getting a big push and a big part of the younger generation just because they can either just walk in the door and get something or get something set up online like Jackson with Care Now and not have to deal with all of the procedural stuff when you go to a doctor's office and you have to fill out either a piece of paper or an iPad for 10, 15 minutes of the same forms that you filled out the last time you were there. And I get it. I mean, but I have never seen, as I've done research, such a demand that they want 24-hour access. And I think because everything has been instant gratification their entire life. Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, really, based on that, what sort of innovations and you know, what does it look down, like down the pipeline when it comes to healthcare tech because of that? Yeah, I think what really needs to happen is that health systems need to get smarter about their digital engagement. It's not just a digital front door with their website, just the ability to have more fluidity and options when dealing with accessing your own personal health data. Also, the ability to have really personalized medicine. That's what they're looking for. They view themselves as terminally unique. And they want whoever they're going to encounter, whether it's in person or virtual, they know everything about them and they don't have to run through the list of things. And technically, that's the whole point of having an EMR. But they want, just taking a step back, they want to include things like holistic medicine, mental health care, all these other things that they can get from an app but they want that encompassed into their overall healthcare. And they think that providers, general medicine internists should have all that data. And that's just not really been the mindset of the traditional healthcare model. So these are things that they want as a generation because they can look something up online. They should, they'll Google it, which is never a good idea to Google health conditions. There's reputable places for information, but 
it's just a completely different mindset. And as I've talked to other Gen Z people, I've heard these complaints like, well, I don't understand why they don't have this right now. And then I'm thinking, well, that's not really their specialty, but they feel that they should have a total complete wellness and health prevention, disease prevention, all with one spot. And it's going to take a long time to get there because I don't think there is not one doctor that can solve all problems. But I think that this is one where they're thinking general overall health with mental health. They want that combination, predictive analytics, having these digital front door tools, ease of use, access to medical records digitally where they don't have to call an office and request them. That whole transparency is what they're looking for. I'm really glad that you talked about the holistic side of things, preventative medicine, the mental health piece as well, too. I think these are all really important things. And where healthcare seems to be right now, what a lot of people like, but is especially important to Gen Z and especially mental health, too. It is a big talking point for a lot of people these days to look at that, you know, like being healthy in your body and in your mind and the whole package, right? Yeah. I mean, I think they're the first generation that's really open about it. And it's not viewed as a negative. I think being a Gen Xer, you would never admit that you were going to go get therapy or might be on antidepressants or anti-anxiety because it's viewed as, well, just cheer up. What's wrong with you? I mean, that really is the attitude. There is a stigma around seeking mental health care, which I think is kind of ridiculous. But Gen Z is very open and upfront about it. Someone I used to work with, Gen Z, took off two months because she felt she was having a nervous breakdown and talked about it. And I just could, I was like, what are you doing? But, and as I've done more research with this is they want mental health care, but they're generally not satisfied. And I'm using this as an example. This is not anyone from my perspective that explains it well. A 16-year-old girl of color comes from a lower socioeconomic upbringing, has some health issues, self-harm, major anxiety, gets a telehealth visit with a mental health provider. It's a 65-year-old white woman who's telling her there's no shared life experience. That's what they want. They want to be able to have a mirror image of the people that they're connecting with on a mental health because really, how can they really identify I'm not saying they can't treat them. That's not it. But they want that type of personalization where they can see who the providers are, choose who that person is, and be able to say, okay, this is someone that can relate to what I'm going through because they shared lived experience. Right. And let's go down that path a little more then. I think that's a great example that you give. And because the value around preventative health, holistic health, mental health, I guess, how are as healthcare providers and platforms going to be incorporating those sorts of things? Like what sort of strategies are starting to become, be put in place to accommodate something like that? Yeah, I think since it is such a crisis right now with mental health care, I think primarily it's because of lack of having this, the doctors and other clinicians to help with that. There's not enough people. I think health systems are doing a couple of things. They are opening behavioral health only ED. So if someone is having a massive issue instead of maybe potentially calling the police or some other thing, or just sitting in a waiting room of an emergency department without really having, when it's not really something physical, it 
something to do with their behavioral health. I think hospitals are getting smarter about that. I also think hospitals are getting smarter about sending out a behavioral health specialist when there is a police call, when someone is in distress. And a lot of times it resolve a lot of the issues. They don't put this person in jail where they, it's not the right place for them. But I also think too, what providers need to do in the healthcare space is also have incorporate the kind of tools that I suggested earlier, digital front doors, being able to have on access 24 on-demand services is really what they're asking for Gen Z with behavioral health as well as not just when you have a cold. And with that is the understanding of having a more diverse pool of mental health care providers. It's a tall order because we're not there yet. A lot of the barriers for people maybe of a lower socioeconomic background is going into the profession because of the cost. Go to college, you get college debt. You go to medical school, you get more debt. You have a residency and fellowship, it's more debt. You walk out to go practice medicine to take care of people. That's what you really want to do, but you're saddled with debt. And a lot of people just aren't willing to take on that kind of risk. And I think that's really unfortunate. I know some universities are giving grants to students now instead of student loans. I think medical schools should do the same. Wow, that's an excellent point. Sorry, I just said, wow, way too many times. Because that there are a lot of various things, whether it be buying a home or starting a family, or there are different things that younger people are navigating a little differently these days. And I didn't think about with college and like med school and stuff. So what an excellent point that you (laughs) bring out. Like, yeah, more debt. Because you start, I kind of went down the rabbit hole. I was thinking through this. I'm like, okay, how do you fix that? And then I got to, and you hear so much about the student debt crisis in this country. And then you're thinking, why on earth would I saddle myself with something with debt I'm going to have for the rest of my life if they can't pay it off sooner? And a lot of times for some providers, the burnout is very high. And these are people talking to other younger people. I know doctors that tell their children don't to become doctors. So it's kind of a vicious circle with all of the things that are ongoing. All this external noise is really not addressing what the core issue is. What are the best tools to provide to have a healthier overall general population? Healthy, not not only just physically, but mentally and taking care of yourself. At least now there's more tools out there you know, that can sign up for services. I can't remember the name of the company that Michael Phelps did a commercial for. He's been very open about his challenges, mental health challenges. And there's more things out there, but really there needs to be a component where an actual doctor needs to be involved with this because it may be a chemical imbalance. It may be someone who really requires medication. So I think they want to meld all that together. I think what Gen Z wants is a provider that is more trained with behavioral health, can identify issues that are going on. It's kind of one-stop shopping. And they want that melding to be in place. Is it realistic? No, not yet. I mean, it's going to take time and training and resources and hospitals are so strapped for cash. Labor is a huge cost for them. So I believe there's a lot that can be done, but I think it has to be a collective thing between private 
government. It needs to be a whole effort to try to bring this down because we are in code red with a mental health crisis in this country. And it's very scary. And Gen Z, they're very socially conscious, more racially diverse, but they also feel like, to your point about buying a house, I'm never going to be able to buy a house. I mean, like from the financial implications of the last several years. So it's an interesting conundrum. And a lot of times Gen Z doesn't have health insurance because they think, oh, I'm healthy. Nothing's going to happen. I can go to Walgreens. And I just think that health systems, healthcare technology, we all need to do a better job of explaining the importance of wellness that will prevent you from getting sick. Vaccines, go for it. They're not old enough for mammograms yet, but these are the things that need to be incorporated. And that's really, you only get that with a provider. And it's for that type of coaching, but they want a wellness component. They want a mindfulness component. They want a behavioral health component. They weren't trained for that. So, but I think it, it's got to be a complete and total paradigm shift. And I wish I knew the answer to that, but technology will certainly help with that. But there's also a human aspect that has to come about as well. There's got to be a will within an organization to want to make that kind of change. Paradigm shifts are always a journey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's like a time frame typically with something so big like that. But to me, it sounds like Gen Z, I think just as things change over time in any area through society, but it sounds like Gen Z is meeting that charge, if you will, of innovation of based on what the demand is and what they're looking for. And so it'll be interesting to see how changes play out over time. Yeah. And, you know, and honestly, because I don't have that shared experience, I didn't even think about the diversity question. And really, and then thinking about the people that I know that are Gen Z, they are people of color. And understanding it from their perspective, I'll never be able to have their shared life experience. But I didn't think that would be an issue in healthcare until I've heard about it and doing more research. But they're very much part of the social justice movement that's happened in the country after the last several years and around the world. And it's an interesting conundrum. So healthcare is not like any other business because you're treating people. And that is the number one priority. That is, even though there's the business components that are required, but it's still not going to be like anything else. And how do you have this paradigm shift to be more inclusive? And I was with senior vice president of data for a large health system a couple of days ago. And he talked about a previous health system that he worked at, did a lot of predictive analytics about who would be more predisposed to certain disease, a heart attack, death, you know, a lot of people with chronic conditions that hopefully Gen Z is not dealing with. And they could call and do preemptive things where the health system that he is at now, they don't do that. But you have a bigger problem when you don't have Gen Z as part of their network. So how do you even know what's going on with them as a whole? So it's a lot of things that kind of a lot of contradiction, you know, the things they want, and then what is there able to do about it? And I wish I had an answer. These philosophical questions, I think, are really, really interesting. And I'm not smart enough 
provide a solid answer on any of that. Yeah, I totally understand. And I guess it'll be like one of those, well, we'll have to see how it goes. So we'll switch gears here a little bit in, with this digital age that we're in. And how can technology and more innovative wellness and healthcare solutions help individuals with making better choices, healthier choices, monitor their well-being? What are some notable advancements that we've had in this area so far? Wearables. I mean, that has been a game changer from Fitbit to the ring to the iWatch that most of us wear, tracking how many steps you have, you're taking during the day, you know, heart rate. But even beyond that, it's there are commercials for an ultrasound out of your phone. I have mixed emotions about that because I come from selling imaging for a long time. So I don't know if that's the best way to go about it, but there's people smarter than me that develop the technology. I think as technology evolves, there's going to be more and more access to be able to have what is a person going through? How is their overall health? And that's going to come from a wearable detection. And to be able to have that data from that wearable put into dashboards, you know, predictive analytics, say, hey, we've got a, then a clinician can call or text or email, hey, we've got an issue here. I think you need to come in or let's set up a telehealth visit. That, I believe, is going to become more the norm than not. I think that having these technologies may be integrated with their patient portal, becomes part of their electronic medical record, and that patient can see what's going on. And so there's that sense of transparency that Gen Z really wants. They're also very security conscious. You want to make sure everything, they hear about a hospital system being hacked all the time. And unfortunately, it does. And that has the most valuable people's data. So I think along those lines, I think that Gen Z is probably more receptive to that versus, okay, I'm going to go to the doctor every three months, the standard spiel of don't smoke, don't drink too much, you need to work out, get more sleep. There's apps that can help with all of that that are part of the healthcare delivery now. So I think it's a very exciting time that merging all these things together, I think for really a more holistic version of what a patient wants, particularly Gen Z, as well as the consumerism of healthcare that has happened. They shop around. They're like, okay, am I going to go to this person or this person, this person? Whoever's going to make it the easiest is who they're going to go with. And a lot of those digital tools are part of that. How receptive do you feel most people are, even outside of Gen Z, are to these certain technologies, the wearables, the health apps? Oh, I think people are very receptive to it. I think that the ever evolving, okay, weight loss apps and those things, whether people stick with it is something else. But I think people are very receptive to it, especially the mindfulness app and sleep apps. I think that regular part of conversation is how many steps you got in today. I mean, who would have ever thought that? I mean, Apple, you know, it's a genius idea. I think as there is more of a push for clean eating, I mean, there's things I've heard about, you know, types of conditions I've never heard of that people can track what they eat. They can say, okay, I can look up if this food has a high lactose component to it. 
I think those apps are very helpful. And I think beyond Gen Z, I mean, I know personally for me, I'm a member of One Medical. I was sick several weeks ago. I was able to book my telehealth meeting two minutes before. So it's just having that instant access, I think, is not only for Gen Z, but also for people that want simpler access. And I think that's the problem. I mean, what, the reason I joined is I couldn't get into my provider for two weeks. It's like, well, I'm sick now. What am I supposed to do? And that is across the board. It's not just me. This is goes back to what I was stating about not having enough people. And so I signed up what was easy and been very happy. I've gone had on it a couple in-person visits, mostly telehealth. You can text with the doctor. They put your test results in the app. Um, and they also have some things about mindfulness and wellness. So I think that they are probably getting a lot of feedback from Gen Z with their offerings. But it, the convenience factor. I know if I can book an appointment online versus picking up the phone, I'm going to do that. I just know that. What I do for a living is talk to people. So if I don't have to make an extra phone call, I think most people feel that way, unless you're older, where they want to be in front and have a conversation like boomers and people like that, because they may not be as savvy. But I also think people are getting smarter overall, not afraid to question doctors. And I think that's a good thing that my parents' generation is, well, the doctor told me. I'm like, doesn't mean the doctor's right. You know, you need to be able to advocate for yourself. And I think that's important for all generations. Absolutely. And with having this technology quite literally in our hands and on our bodies, it's giving us more information at a glance about ourselves and about our health. It's a very empowering thing. And then the convenience of use is, is fantastic because same situation of getting in with my doctor with some time. And I'm like, well, I kind of know what's going on with me to a certain degree. You know, like there's certain symptoms that you have, you know, you're like, oh, here comes that sinus thing again, or, you know, or that cold thing. <laughs> and you're like, I know what it is. And, I, you know, to have a telemedicine at literally at your fingertips is, has been so wonderful. So. Oh, it's amazing. And also to the ability to say, I know I have a bad sinus infection, you, getting them all the time, look up the drug that I took before that cleared it up. I mean, I think it's, you feel more empowered as a result. And with these type of services, I think that's why they're becoming so popular and health systems are trying to catch up. It's not their fault. It's just that things have changed. And I think COVID has rapidly escalated that. And I think the systems that don't get on board with trying to make the approach easier, except for like when you're having a surgery or a major incident that you go to the emergency room or go to where you're going to have surgery. But for the routine things for wellness, when you're sick, there needs to be a paradigm shift. And real hospital systems are really trying, but it's never going to be fast enough. And the cost, I think that is part of it too. You know, hospitals are running on such small margins that they know to provide higher quality, lower cost healthcare for their patient population health. They have to make these investments or it becomes a status quo. So I think as the payers are becoming, health insurance payers are becoming more technically savvy. I think they've been ahead of the curve on that 
versus hospital systems. I think that there is a lag that has to be done. Health systems are the last technology adopters. Every decision is made by committee. But I think with these disruptors in the healthcare industry that are attracting Gen Z, millennials, heck, even Gen X and others to these outside resources is because of the technology convenience and the availability to services. And I really liked the example that you brought up of these wearables and these different kinds of services and apps. They can all start to that connection with a provider. Everyone's so used to having you know the Fitbit or an Apple Watch or you know different things that they have to then be able to alert a provider to say, hey, let's look at this. These numbers are a little bit high or a little bit outside of what we might want to see. And I think what I hear at least can help bridge that gap and that paradigm change, I really think. Absolutely. Like, I think to your point with all the data that comes from the wearables, the ability for health systems to create personalized dashboards for their patient and be able to, the predictive analytics component that comes from the wearable data. So like, exactly to your point, if someone, something doesn't quite look right, why don't you come in? But it's that proactive approach with technology that I think is fantastic. I mean, it's hard not to get excited about it. I mean, discussions with clients and things that they talk about, I mean, not really the super cool things, but the information that they're looking for from data and analytics and how it can help a patient. That's the type of stuff that I find really fascinating. And because there needs to be more data and not less, that's where the technology components come in, where thank goodness they don't have paper files anymore. Thank goodness it's all electrical. I mean, electronic, excuse me. And, but it's just getting to the next hump. Like, how do you mesh it all together? And I think that is where companies are really pushing the boundaries as far as technology. I mean, heck now, there's this guy in California that has spent millions of dollars of his own money to stop aging. I mean, he is won't get out in the sun. I mean, he's got some crazy diet and he's got monitors on 24 hours a day. He goes to sleep at the same time. And I mean, that's an extreme case. But I think we're getting there. As I was reading that article about him, I was like, I could see some of these wearables that are mentioned in this article about, you know, that's going to come to fruition. I mean, like there was some discussion about, you know, when you go to the beach or out at the pool, having some kind of thing that's similar to tracking radiation. But like, if you're going to be for sunburns, because those radiation safety devices have been around forever to track how much dose a staff member or hospital, either a physician or radiology technologist, so they know, okay, they've been around too much, it's unhealthy. There's all kinds of technology that I don't think we even know a tenth of what is down the pipeline. So when I was reading this crazy article, I was like, I never thought about that kind of monitoring. I never thought about this and other things I wish I wouldn't have read in that story. But I think we're at the forefront and I think it's exciting and I'm excited to be part of an organization that's helping drive the future of healthcare. As you've been bringing up points, there are things that I have even said in my head, oh, I have not thought of it like that, that being used that way. Or, I mean, I know my fair skin would be very happy to have something monitoring my 
sun intake. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, it's these things that you don't think about. And it's interesting, though. I mean, I'll admit, I try to read as much industry stuff. I've been in this healthcare industry for 20 years in different components, not what I'm doing now, but I find it endlessly fascinating what they're doing, you know, like personalized medicine and genomics. Gen Z is really interested in that. It's that whole personalization component. But having the tools to have all that readily transparent data, I think is really what's going to be the driving change and technology is going to be the one to enable it. And so- What advice would you offer to individuals looking to make better health choices, as well as like using technology for improved well-being? Yeah, I mean, like I stated earlier, you know, we get the instructions from the doctor about, you know, what we should be doing. I think health apps are fantastic. I think for my managing stress, my only caveat is stay off of social media. That's not good for anyone's head for any period of time. And these coaching apps for whether it's weight loss or fitness tracker there, I have an app that thinks me, no, it's not an app, but an email. Have you done something for your brain health today? A lot of times I ignore it, but that's really important too. the brain health component because our brains are not meant to multitask. Our brain toggles back and forth. There's apps for that. There are apps for physical therapy that you could do to help prevent throughout the course. I think also having the patient portals are extremely wonderful and informative. I think having apps to make doctor's appointments, having websites that are easier to manage, having all the data come together. That's another thing with, you know, as far as bringing the insurance, bringing the patient information, all these different things. I think That makes it more cohesive. They want a personalized experience. And also, too, the 24-hour readiness is what I think is really key. But as far as advice about doing things about to improve overall health, I would say that they need to become educated. They need to become an informed patient. Health literacy is really important. I mean, you need to have things that are written at patient education at third to fifth grade reading level, not because these people can't read. It's just to be able to understand there's, you know, not these crazy medical terms that no one understands what they're talking about unless you're a physician. Being able to have research, you know, like I said, resources on demand, but also to just kind of that encapsulation of holistic. And also there's been so much misinformation since COVID. There's all kinds of resources, like the NIH has some health and wellness and disease website. There's a sites for food and nutrition to get exact information. Some foundation puts it on. The Mayo Clinic has a symptoms website. I think that in the continual education, I think the media has a big part to play in this. And I also think the social media companies, because this is where younger people get their news. They get their news on Twitter and TikTok. I can't imagine. So I think it's a combination of all the things. But what I am particularly excited about is the apps that can help people with their kind of their daily journey of what they're doing and what their you know, medical device being stop smoking patch. I think it's only going to get 
better. That's been around for a long time, but it's that continual progress of research and development and things that we have no idea what's on the horizon is really what's going to make a big impact on the population health of Gen Z. Perfect. Yeah. And it'll be really exciting to see how it unfolds. But yeah, I agree. I think it is only going to get better and create a more user-friendly, but user-empowered. And they're going to have that knowledge then to be a more informed patient and consumer of health and health and wellness. I think it's Empowered is the perfect word. I mean, because you need to be an empowered patient and because no one else is really going to advocate for you. You're the one that knows what's going on with your body. I'm not saying they wouldn't have support or family, but you really need to be your own advocate and not be afraid to ask questions when things are going on. Because I also think that generations older than Gen Z who are not as open may be afraid to mention everything that's going on. And I think that doing that, I think is a good thing because there are future leaders. I mean, there is a sense in Gen Z that they want to get in healthcare, but the cost, the lack of diversity, it's a vicious circle in some ways. I mean, but I think that there's a lot of hope. I really do think that healthcare is only going to get better over the course of time. And I think technology is going to be a huge driver in that. Yes. And what a great impact you've had, you know, already. And it's going to be really interesting to see. I look forward to seeing the future of technology and healthcare and where this is unfolding and where it's going to go. And so thank you so much for your time today and your expertise and your knowledge and sharing that with us. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you. I was honored to be asked. So thank you for having me. Thank you so, so much. The Shaping Healthcare Podcast is brought to you by Sidious Tech, a leader in healthcare consulting and IT services. To find out more about Sidious Tech, visit SidiousTech.com. To listen to more interesting insights on healthcare technology and innovations, search and subscribe to the Shaping Healthcare Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want to share any feedback or would like to be featured in our podcast, do write to us at SidiousVision at SidiousTech.com.